it's so unpredictable as well, which is I think what's so scary to people about stuttering is it can come and go. And some kids, you know, I've had kids that I, I treat at the age of eight and they say, well, they were stuttering when they were three, but it went away and then it came back. So I think the biggest help for parents is just knowing what to do when it happens so that they're not stuck in this, you know, deer in headlights motion where they don't know what to do and they're, they're scared that it's happening. They know how to respond in an effective way that supports the overall communication. Um, and again, just viewing it as something that they have to be a little bit more patient with. This is the M Squared Podcast featuring author Miranda Mathis. You will hear tips, tricks, and inspiration that will help you raise and educate little ones who are happy, safe, and kind. Enjoy the show. Hello, hello, and welcome back. I'm Sarah, your friendly neighborhood producer, and I'm joined, as always, by author Miranda Mathis. Hey, Miranda, how you doing? Hi, how are you? I'm very well. Thank I'm you. I'm good. Um, I'm excited because today we have Claire Barbeau joining us to share her expertise on stuttering. How do we help kids navigate it in a patient, confident, loving way? We're about to find out. Don't let today's information go to waste either. Um, be sure to stay tuned to the end where Claire will share some simple action items that you can put to use this week. So, hey, Claire, how you doing? Hi, guys. I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. So good to have you on. Um, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Great. Yeah. So like you said, I'm Claire. I am currently a speech pathologist and clinical supervisor at the University of Virginia. And then I also see clients through my own private practice, Kindly Speech. And those are all clients with fluency disorders. So that's both stuttering and cluttering. And that's really where I have a special area of interest. That's where my heart is. Um, and I see those clients across the lifespan, but I definitely love working with the little ones as well. Very cool. Wonderful. Well, we'll get right start. We'll get started. Um, first question, and, and I, I'm definitely interested in this. What is one thing that many people get wrong about stuttering, especially when it comes to acknowledging it or maybe not acknowledging it when they notice it, it's happening? Yeah. Yeah, so the first part of that, you know, what, what people get wrong, I think it really starts with the mindset of stuttering. Um, a lot of people, parents that come to me or even people I'm just talking to think it's something that we need to fix or something that is wrong in the individual instead of just viewing it as a difference in their speech. Um, so I think really just the way that we view what stuttering is, is kind of that first element that um, I myself and people who stutter are really trying to change and advocate for. And then, you know, I think as far as acknowledging stuttering, um, I think generally when you are with someone who stutters or a child is in that stuttering moment, our first reaction is panic, like the wide eyes, the, the scared expression. And when we think about that and how we're responding to a, a stuttering moment of an individual, think about how that's impacting that individual because they're going through all those motions too of feeling stuck. And then to see somebody react in a way of scared or uncomfort, um, or even just not wanting to talk or run away, that's, that can be really detrimental to their overall feelings about themselves and about their communication. Um, so, you know, where I'm going to get into this a little bit later, but with that acknowledging aspect, I think it really starts with looking at the way that you're reacting and making sure that you're reacting in not necessarily a positive way, but just a neutral way. You're just waiting and you're waiting for them to finish and you're listening. 
Um, and I think that's the best way to acknowledge it is just by letting them finish. Very, very good answer. I mean, definitely, I, I can relate. I, I, I like that because you're right. You know, we tend to look at them and we should just accept people are different. Kids are different. Mm -hmm. And it's right. You know, and it leads to my next question is, what are some of the common reasons or are there common reasons why kids? Yeah, so this, this question is twofold because it depends on the age of the child. So if the child is in preschool age, so that's before the age of five, um, you're looking at usually more of a developmental stuttering. So that often happens when there's these language bursts and they're learning all this information. Um, that, that more so goes along with developmental. And we really can't tell, though, the issue with speech therapy in general is we really can't tell if that developmental stuttering will turn into long term, which is why we as a profession are starting to provide therapy for those preschool age children, because there isn't like one pinpoint answer for your child is going to continue stuttering or not. So we always want to give parents the tools and start early in that therapy process because we just don't know. Um, some things that we're finding in the current research is that genetics play a big role. So if somebody else in their family stutters, um, that can lead to more long-term stuttering. And then there's also a lot of studies on the brain. And I won't get too into that, obviously, but um, what they're finding is that there's just these differences in the brain. And I think a big takeaway from that is it's not something wrong with the brain. It's just a difference in the wiring and it's a long, it's taking longer for that process of language to come out of the brain versus someone who doesn't stutter where it might happen a little bit quicker. So it's that time element. And again, it's just a difference. And I think knowing that cause of it being a difference helps our mindset of, okay, there's nothing wrong with it. We just kind of have to adapt as a society to, it's just something different in the way that they're speaking. I like that. You're absolutely right. Do you recommend or suggest if a parent sees it, should they seek assistance right away or should they wait is there a time frame you should wait like what's your yeah yeah that's a that's a great question and I get that question a lot I I would say that I usually wait until about the six month mark over six months that it's been occurring is when I'll start doing more direct treatment um, parents that come to me sometimes within like the three month mark I'll provide education to them but I probably won't start direct treatment because we're still not in that like the over six month range is when I might be a little more concerned that it's going to last longer. Um, whereas that language burst might just be in that three month period and then it'll go away. And then it might even come back later. It's, it's so unpredictable as well, which is I think what's so scary to people about stuttering is it can come and go. And some kids, you know, I've had kids that I, I treat at the age of eight and they say, well, they were stuttering when they were three, but it went away and then it came back. So I think the biggest help for parents is just knowing what to do when it happens so that they're not stuck in this, you know, deer in headlights motion where they don't know what to do and they're they're scared that it's happening. They know how to respond in an effective way that supports the overall communication. Um, and again, just viewing it as something that they have to be a little bit more patient with. Wow. Okay. All right. Well, what are some things that parents and teachers can can possibly say or do to put a kid at ease when he appears studying um, to make them feel comfortable and okay. Yeah. I love this question. So first and foremost, um, my, my first response is don't say anything while they're stuttering. Wait for them to finish. That's the number one thing. If you adult, if you talk to my adults who stutter, 
um, will say as a kid is that their pet peeve is that people interrupt them or talk over them or, or um, fill in the blanks for them because they know what they're trying to say. It's just taking them a couple extra seconds to get it out. So that's the first thing is to wait and let them finish. Um, and then I have some quick things that I tell parents to do when, because a lot of times for children who don't know about stuttering yet or don't know what's happening in their speech, they do get frustrated and they might shut, they might shut down. And so for parents just to give them really encouraging words like, hey, I'm listening, I, I have time, tell me what you were gonna say. Um, or even things like your words matter or just really those, those strong um, enforcing words that let the child know that their words are important and that no matter how long it takes, their partner, their, the parent or the teacher is listening to them and it's gonna give them the time to complete it. You know, that's, that's such an excellent question because their words do matter. And right. we should be patient, just like we're patient with everything else. We should be patient exactly. too. You know, so right. I, I love that. Do you have any and, tips, like tips or suggestions, helping kids improve their speech um, when they're stuttering? Yeah, so um, for parents, I always tell them to model, not necessarily slow motion, because I think that's something that we don't want to get in the habit of their child thinking they have to talk like this, but more so integrating more pauses, more visual breaths in their speech, and just a more relaxed way of speaking. That sounds natural. Our world moves really fast, and I know for parents especially, it moves even quicker. So it's hard to implement that into your daily routine. So I also tell parents to delegate a certain amount of time per day. So 10 to 15 minutes a day, that's it, because it's not realistic that we're going to be able to manage that relaxed motion in, in every minute of daily life. So delegate that time, whether it be when they get off the bus or during dinner time or before bed, whatever it is, that time every day, that is so-and-so speech time. We get to just talk in a relaxed way. We get to wait. We practice waiting and listening. If they have siblings, um, we integrate the siblings into that, like the turn-taking element, because a lot of times siblings will fill in and talk over the child, and that can get uh, really annoying for the child. And, and sometimes the parent doesn't even necessarily recognize it because everyone's talking all at once. So um, just involving the whole family in that, I think is really helpful too. Um, and just providing those models of relaxed rate of speech. There's obviously other um, strategies that we do in speech therapy as well. Um, but those are the main things that I have parents start with and and just really decreasing those communication distractions and communication pressures is the big thing too. Because it all, it all is about time. Um, that time pressure is, is the hardest thing for people who stutter. Wow, excellent. Um, well. I have one more question and it is a success story. And I know what you do works because I have a family member who was born, you know, stuttering and he doesn't do it anymore. So I know that there's help for or assistance out there if a parent needs it. But I want to hear one of your success stories. I saw it with my own eyes. So I want to hear one of yours, something that you could share with us to show that, listen, you know, we're here for you. We're here for your child. Yes. You know, it's, it's so cool because success for me as a speech therapist comes more so from them or my clients reporting these communication experiences. Um, Success is not always a hundred percent fluency. So it's not always getting rid of the stutter completely, um, but it's getting to a point where they can be in these 
um, communication experiences and really feel confident and in control of their speech. So something that just happened a couple of weeks ago, one of my clients, um, he did a he did a presentation. You guys probably remember doing it in school too, because I do, um, where you have to dress up as like a historical figure and you're in like little booths and people come around and they ask you to give your little spiel on who you are and what you did. And he was really nervous for it. And we talked a lot about, you know, his fears and his thoughts regarding the speech that he would have to give to people. And a lot of it, um, a lot of his concerns were related to, well, what if they laugh? What if they walk away? What if they interrupt me? Like all of those typical fears. And we talked through, um, we do a lot of like positive thinking and helpful thoughts and what we can think of because our thoughts really control our actions. Um, and we do some strategy practice and things as well. But he came back to me like a couple of weeks ago and we were talking about it and he didn't even mention the stuttering at first. He was like, it was so great. I loved it. Like he was in his costume also, by the way, because he wouldn't, he wouldn't take his costume off. <laughs> um, and so I asked him explicitly, well, so how, how was your speech? Cause I know you were a little, a little nervous about it. And he was like, oh yeah, I stuttered a couple of times. I was like, oh, okay. Like how, how did you, how did you handle that? Or how did that go? And he was like, oh, I just got through it. And he kept talking. Wonderful. And that was one of our mantras was I can get through this or I can do it. And so it was really cool for me to see that generalized over into fruition, essentially. Like he actually was, his thoughts were becoming action. And I think that's what's so powerful about speech therapy, especially now, um, because it used to be very focused on the physical behaviors of stuttering and completely missing the emotional and social impacts that it was having on these kids. And so there wasn't that long-term um, progress. And now we're seeing so much more quality of life in these kids as they're going through their elementary years that might be the hardest for them when we're focused more so on that emotional being and building them up in their communication instead of telling them what they're doing is wrong. Wow, wonderful. I, oh my God, we can go on, but we don't have much. I know, I, I told you I could go on forever. <laughs> Sarah, my wonderful producer, she just rings that bell in my head. I see her. I know. <laughs> And I know it's time to wrap up with this. We would love to yes. have you come again. Um, I know that Absolutely. parents will want to know and discuss. And um, so I hope you're open to that. But yes, I'm going to hand this over to Sarah. Sarah, carry on. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Miranda. So before we wrap up, I do want to hear a little bit more about you, your passion, your mission your business. And I see that you also have a podcast. So let's hear about yeah. that and let people know where to find you, how to connect with you. Yeah. So I am on Instagram, kindly underscore speech. Um, and I post some tidbits about stuttering and cluttering um, throughout my life <laughs> and some of my clinical experiences and things like that. And then um, I'm also on a podcast called Let's taco like the taco you eat let's taco about speech and we do a lot it's with one of my friends from grad school we do a lot of different topics related to speech and language development um we have parents on to talk to them ours you know our mission is similar to your guys it was really just educating parents and other professionals about speech and language and how people can support um individuals who have those impairments so i i feel free to listen to some of those. We've been doing it for two years now, so we have quite a bit to filter through. So let me know if you have any questions on that. You can just um, direct in, direct message me on Instagram. Awesome, thank you. We'll have to put those links in the show notes too so people can find great. them. Um, so as promised, we wanna take two, maybe one or two things away with us, action items people can do this week to help kids navigate stuttering whether teacher or parent, 
or acknowledge it in yeah. a constructive way. So let us know yeah. what, what can we do? <laughs> so the first thing I want everyone to do is really recognize the thoughts that are happening. I'm going to do a little bit of what, what's called cognitive behavior therapy with you for 30 seconds. So it's not going to be the whole thing, but this is what I would do with a child. And I do it with my parents as well. So I urge you to think about the thoughts that you're having, not the feelings, because those are separate. The thoughts that happen in your head when someone stutters, because our thoughts affect our feelings, which affect our behaviors. So think about what those thoughts are. If you're a parent, it's okay if it's negative. It's okay if it's something like, oh, I'm so uncomfortable, or this is terrible, what do I do? But write it down, recognize it, and then think about how you can change it. It doesn't have to be something like, oh, this is great, because I don't expect you to think stuttering is great, but it needs to be something that allows you to respond in a more effective way. So something like, he's going to get through it. He's never not gotten through it. Let me just listen. Maybe focus on your eye contact. Maybe focus on your body language, things like that. Um, but write those thoughts down so that you can start tracking how you're responding to stuttering. Um, and then if you've never talked to your child or the child that you're teaching about stuttering, ask them about it. If they don't know what stuttering is, if they haven't gone through speech therapy yet, um, use words that they'll understand. So something like, oh, when I'm tired, my speech feels really hard. Does your speech ever feel hard? Or does your speech ever feel tight? Use words that they might understand to get them to, oh, are they noticing that it's happening and get them talking about it? Because once they start talking about it, they'll be encouraged that it's okay because the taboo-ness around stuttering is what makes it really hard for those individuals who stutter. Um, and then your homework assignment, sorry, one last thing is to look at the New York Times, I Stutter, But You Need to Listen video. They released it about two months ago, the greatest video I've ever seen on stuttering. There's not a lot out there, um, but it's really educational and really stresses the importance of, you know, we as a world needing to take the time to listen. Perfect. Thank you for sharing those that resource. And those tips are awesome. I, I'm excited to use that in the future. <laughs> um, really helpful. Um, so to those who are listening, if you have a child who stutters in your home or classroom, this is for you. But even if you don't, it's so good to know what to do when to encounter stuttering. Um, share this episode with a friend who might appreciate or benefit from it. And thank you so much, Claire. And see you later, thank Miranda. You. All right. Talk to you soon. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you. I truly appreciate you um, in Square Books. That's what our mission is about, bringing all resources and people together to share information. Because who's our priority? Our children. So thank you Absolutely. for joining us. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Head over to msquarebooks.com where you can find all the latest books and hear about upcoming events like live readings. See you next time.